as we go. Have y'all noticed we have a little emphasis approaching this, uh, this month? VC Go is our emphasis for the next several weeks and our focus. What does Valley Creek Go mean? Well, it will be a part of what we're leading our congregation to be a part of in the coming weeks. Valley Creek Go is actually a series of messages that you're going to begin to hear the first one today, but it's also a weekend. May the 21st and 22nd, that's about three weeks away, we are going to go. Valley Creek is going to go. We're going to do what? Go. Yeah, Valley Creek go. VC go. It will be several hours all day Saturday and Sunday morning where we get to participate in ministry projects around our community. That's Saturday morning from about 8.30 to noon, another section Saturday afternoon from 12.30 to 4, and then the Sunday morning from 8.30 to 12 noon. Three time periods where we're gonna be going, going out into our community, serving in various ways, such as uh, doing some painting, doing some volunteer work at Feeding America, uh, sprucing up some families' homes that need a little bit of grounds work and landscaping work. We're going to be visiting uh, some shut-ins and doing some yard work and some power washing and window washing for them. Uh, we're going to be doing some cleaning at several elementary schools and local schools. Uh, we're going to be doing a tree removal. I guess some big strong fellows are going to have to do that one. Uh, removing a tree, building a handicap ramp for a family, uh, sorting clothes at Mission Hope. Uh, we're also going to lead a worship service for the families and break, make breakfast at Mission Hope. We're going to do some goodie bags for residents in local uh, nursing homes and make those deliveries. It's an enormous number of projects, and we have a vision to invite you to go to serve in some capacity in one of those three time slots, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, or Sunday morning on May the 21st and 22nd. And then that Sunday night, May the 22nd, we're all gonna come back together, all of our campuses, South Wilson and Springfield Road, both services all come together for a combined worship service at five o'clock. And then at six o'clock, we're gonna have some barbecue. Would that work? Nothing better than making a preacher go quick than everybody know dinner is after the sermon. So we're going to get together that Sunday evening because some of us are going to be serving Sunday morning, serving Saturday, and gather our campuses all together, all one body to book together to worship and celebrate what God has done and then fellowship uh, around the table together. We would like 150 that's our goal. That may be more than we can pull off. We may not even be able to anticipate how many more than God would lead to serve on that weekend. But we will have a table out in the foyer uh, with the ability to sign up and to get registered. We will certainly give more information in the weeks ahead. But we are going to do what? We are going to go. It's VC Go. And you are invited to go with us. If you have your Bibles, let's dive into the message today, which is the start of the series, VC Go. And going is certainly what we'll be talking about over the next three weeks. 
this morning, I want to start with what Brent mentioned, going by sharing. Uh, how many of you parents, grandparents, remember early on, maybe kiddos at the toddler stage or pre-K stage, and you had to begin teaching an important lesson about sharing. Does anybody remember those moments with little guys and little girls helping them learn to share? Uh, how many of you are still doing that with big people? Teaching them to share, teaching them to share and share alike. We know, particularly families with siblings and really families of all sorts, you've got to teach kids to share, share their toys. Sometimes they have to share a bedroom, uh, share a video game, uh, share a snack, share sometimes uh, clothes, uh, share things that the family has. I remember when our guys were little, I mean, just little guys. I have two little boys. Well, they're, they're taller than me now. They were once little boys. They're two years apart. And they had to share a bedroom. At times they even shared a bed and they loved it. And then there was like this moment when the mine problem came in. It's mine. Do you know that word? Mine. It's like something in their own little deviant hearts at an early age went from, oh, it's great to share to give it its mind. And what do you have to do? You've got to teach them to share. Because the last thing we wanted when they went to preschool or went to kindergarten was to get the call from the teacher. Mrs. Garrison, Mr. Garrison, your sons, they don't know how to share. I mean, how, how horrible that is. So we taught them. We instructed them. We repeated time and time again how important it was to share. Because they couldn't really function at home and really couldn't function at school and probably couldn't function as growing up teenagers, eventually adults, if they didn't know how to share. Sharing was critical to life. And I would offer you today that we also need to teach about how to share our faith. Uh, Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback Church and author of The Purpose Driven Life, years ago wrote these words. He wrote, one of the defining moments for a Christian spiritual growth is when they share the gospel with someone else for the very first time. One of the defining moments for a Christian spiritual growth is when they share the gospel with someone else for the very first time. He would conclude, and I don't know where he got his statistics, and I'm just gonna let his word be offered today, that out of the millions of Christians there are around the world, he concluded that less than 10% of them had ever shared their faith with anyone at any time. One out of 10. That 90% of those who claim to know Christ and likely have been baptized by baptism, believers baptism, who likely attend regularly on a worship gathering, who are faithful even in a small group or in personal devotion to Christ in 
Bible study that only one out of 10 of those committed followers of Jesus in the duration of their walk with him from salvation to heaven, only one out of 10 will ever share their faith with anyone who isn't a follower of Jesus. And so it, it proves that while we teach children from the very earliest days to share their toys and to share their things, it might be critical that we also from the very beginning encourage and instruct all followers of Jesus to share our faith. Because there is no doubt that Jesus intended for his disciples to share, to go by sharing, to share the good news, to share that Christ had done something in their life, to share that God loves the world and that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus gave us a mission and an instruction and a commission to go and make disciples. He called us to share. He called us to go by sharing. And it wasn't an alternative and it wasn't an option and it wasn't a if you so choose. It was a commission by Christ to go it wasn't elective, it was our command. But so few, according to some, ever heed that call, ever heed that command. Uh, Acts chapter 1, prior to Jesus' ascension, and even in the words that he leaves them, as he is going back to heaven, he is emphasizing and instructing and encouraging for them to go, to go and to share. I'm beginning to read verse 3 through 9 in Acts chapter 1. He, Jesus, presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Our emphasis this morning is in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Friends, turn to someone seated next to you and say to them, it's go time. Let's say it once more. It's go time. Uh, first service, I made a mistake and I said, tell someone it's time to go. And someone got up and tried to leave. 
It's not time to go. Butchered that first hour. It's go time. You know, when athletes are preparing to rush onto the field or rush through the locker room out for the game, sometimes they'll kind of get in a huddle. They'll kind of start bouncing and someone will say, it's go time. It's go time. Friends, as followers of Jesus, it's go time. And one of the ways we are called to go is to go by sharing. It's time to go by sharing because disciples who go are empowered by God's spirit. Disciples who go are empowered by God's spirit. Jesus said in Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will, you will receive a power from God, from his spirit to lead you in going. Luke chapter 24, verse 49 said, I am sending you, Jesus speaking, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay into the city until you are clothed with power from on high, clothed with this power. God is gonna send this power and we will receive this power, the Word used in both places in Acts chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 24, the word power is dunamis or where we get the word dynamite. I immediately hear that TV show from the 70s. Dynamite. Some of you who weren't alive then, it was a great show. It was a great show. Dynamite. There's a power. There's a power that Jesus promises He promises to empower those who are going. He says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is not a negotiation. This is not a supposedly going to receive power. This is a promise. And if you just turn the page to Acts chapter two, you'll see when it happens. In just a few days after Jesus ascends, the disciples are all gathered together in a room and something miraculous takes place, something momentous. Uh, The scripture says they hear what sounds to be like a mighty rushing wind, like a thundering wind inside the space. And then they see what appears to be tongues of flame. I don't know if that's actually licking flames or if it actually is a human tongue that's in the shape of a flame. I'm not sure exactly what it is. The scripture just says they see what seem to be like flaming tongues resting upon them and they know that the power that Jesus promised is moving in their midst and is moving in their lives. And we know the outcome. They leave that upper room and they burst into the city streets. And because of the holiday, Pentecost, there are people milling about everywhere. People from all over the known world. I mean, people from every ethnicity and every language and every country of the Roman Empire. They're all in Jerusalem at the time. And the disciples who were unlearned men and uneducated fishermen and general folks 
they go out into the streets and with boldness and with power, they begin preaching the gospel, speaking the good news. But here was the crazy part, the amazing part. They're speaking it in their own language, but all of these people from other parts of the world are hearing it in their language. The scripture actually tells us that the disciples are not even aware in full measure of what's happening. They're just testifying to the good news of Christ and the good news of Jesus. And the people who don't speak their language, which would have been Greek, is hearing in Italian, in Arabic, and in various languages from the known world. There's something like 20 different ethnicities present and languages present. I mean, it would, it would be as if, yes, I'm speaking today in English, but what if you were hearing me in Spanish or Italian or Greek? I mean, something miraculous was happening. Something amazing was happening. A power was moving and they were just doing what they knew to do. They were called by Jesus to go and to share and that's what they're doing. And that is what took place. We actually read in Acts chapter four, verse 33, that this is just a remarkable time. Scripture says, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. In one moment, a thousand new believers come to faith. In another moment, another couple thousand come to faith. Within just a matter of months, there's some 5,000 new believers in faith and they're coming from every tribe and every nation and every tongue. It's as Acts 1.8 said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Check. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, their town, in Judea, that region, and to the Samaritans, to people of other ethnicities, other backgrounds, and to the ends of the earth. It's all happening in that moment and in that time. And the gospel of Jesus is expanding across the known world. Oh, what a powerful move of God's spirit. The arrival of the promised helper. But I want to offer you this today, men and women, brothers and sisters. While that was a specific move of God for a specific purpose to bring about the gospel to thousands and thousands of people of different nations and different ethnicities, the same spirit who empowered them is the same spirit who is empowering you. It's not like that was spirit 1.0 and now we live in spirit 10.0. And 10.0 is less than spirit 1.0. The same spirit of God who is empowering those men to do something miraculous. I'm not saying I'm going to speak another language today and you're going to hear me in English. That's not what I'm proposing. But I'm saying that the same move of God, the same spirit of God, active in Acts 2 and Acts 4 and continuing through the book of Acts is still at work today. Empowering believers to go and to share. Dynamite power, passionate power, the power to go and truly all that they're doing, all that the disciples are doing in this moment is simply giving witness to what they have seen and what they have heard and what they have observed. Disciples who are going give witness. 
Acts 1.8, and you will receive the power and the Holy Spirit that comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. A witness. Whew. I, I don't know if y'all are feeling it, but I, I'm revved up today. Can you tell? I was a little sick last week. I feel like I got a, a little extra energy in the tank. Maybe the Spirit's empowering me. You might be here till two o'clock this afternoon. I don't know. Man, there's the sense that God's spirit is actively working and we will be his witnesses. Not we can be a witness or we should be a witness or I'd like you to generally consider being a witness. No, you will be. You will be witnesses. You will be my witnesses. And you will go. Friends, as followers of Jesus, we are called to be a witness for Christ. We are called to be a witness for Christ. Now, what is a witness? I have to testify and maybe confess today that I have been a little intrigued at the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard courtroom shenanigans. Do y'all now feel less about me? Do you look down upon me? You think I'm that guy? Honestly, I, I can't help it. It's like watching Captain Jack Sparrow in the courtroom. And, and I love to hear Johnny Depp speak because I have no clue where he got this accent. Do you know Johnny Depp grew up in Kentucky? He's from here, but he sounds like a British Australian from the Aborigines. I don't know where he came from. He's created this whole accent that's not original to his Kentucky roots, I guarantee you. But I find it absolutely fascinating. And I know I shouldn't watch courtroom TV. That's trash TV, but y'all judge me later, okay? I've been watching. You know, and I know this is kind of an interesting courtroom experience. He's suing her for defamation, suing her for ruining in his career. I'm sorry, but Pirates of the Caribbean 4 ruined his career. And there's only so many Pirates of the Caribbean that any of us, that was a terrible joke, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had it in my notes here, but I thought, don't say it. Actually, I wrote, don't say it, but I did it anyway. That was a terrible move of the spirit. Uh, I was avoiding, I wasn't, I'm, I'll hush up, I'll keep going. <laughs> you know, there, he's giving testimony. Now, the others in the courtroom, there are, there are, yes, he and Amber Heard, he and his ex-wife. But then there's other people who have been asked to come in and give a witness testimony. Now, they don't really know what took place in their home. They don't really know what took place in their marriage. They kind of observe things from time to time. They may even have witnessed things from time to time. But all they really can give testimony about, all they really can give a witness for is what they have seen, what they have observed, what they have uh, took, took notice of. That's it. A witness doesn't have to know all the answers. A witness doesn't have to have all the expert Evaluation. A witness doesn't even have to have all the ideals and the timeline put together. A witness simply testifies to what they have seen, what they have observed, what they personally know to be true. And when we give a witness for Christ, when we share a testimony to Christ, we don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to have all the theological arguments worked out. We don't have to have an enormous set of defenses 
to counteract this point and counteract this objection and counteract this debate point. We don't have to know all the Bible through and through. Honestly, all we have to do in order to be faithful to God's call for us to go and share is to give a witness. What has happened to us personally? What do we know to be true about our experience with Christ? That's all we have to give. Now, there are certainly other techniques and other ways to introduce those conversations, but at our core, at the minimum, you just have to be a witness telling someone else what has personally happened to you, what you know to be true. If you give me just a second, I want to I take a little bit of a trip down memory lane and share with you the per- first person I ever shared my faith with. I came to faith at age nine through the ministry of Vacation Bible School. I did not come from a believing family. But I was invited to Vacation Bible School. I went, I heard the gospel two times, once on Wednesday, once on Thursday, and prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. A few months, a few weeks later, I was baptized and none of my family came to my baptism because none of my family were believers in Jesus. I was a new believer in a home of unbelievers. But I came to faith through the ministry of Vacation Bible School. Man, I believe in the ministry of Vacation Bible School. Letting children know Jesus loves them and died for them and can have a place in their heart. Well, when we went back to school that fall, I noticed my very best friend was not at school. I didn't know why at first, but eventually I inquired and I learned that my friend, his name was Chris, that he had contracted a childhood cancer called Hodgkin's lymphoma. I didn't know what that was. And even now, some years later, of course, I learn it's curable. It's the most common, if not curable, cancer for children. But all I knew was my friend wasn't back at school. He was going through this thing called chemotherapy. And goodness, this is in the 80s, folks. And I was pretty scared. I was scared for him and I was scared for What would happen if he were to die? And so a few months into the school year, my family made an arrangement with his family for me to ride the school bus to his house because he wasn't in school. He was at home school now. And I could spend a couple hours with him one afternoon. And this was really exciting. And let me tell you, even in setting it up, I knew why I was going there. I was going there to share with my friend. But man, I was nervous. And I remember we got there and we were, we were 10 years old. What do 10-year-old kids do in the 80s? I mean, we played Nintendo. And he had a Commodore 64, the original Macintosh computer, the original Apple computer. It was cool. We played a game called Oregon Trail. And if, if some of you now know how old I am because that game was like before even computer games or anything. And at some point after being there for a little while, we had a little snack but we were playing a video game. I think we were playing Mario Brothers in his bedroom on his little TV with his Nintendo. And I just felt this nudging in my soul and in my heart and in my stomach. I knew I had to share with him what I knew about Jesus. But I'd only been a Christian for like a couple months. I didn't know much. But I knew I could tell him God loved him and that Jesus died for him and that we could have our sins washed away 
and that he could be with Jesus forever in heaven. I think that's all I said. That's all I knew at the time. No arguments, no theological debates, no finer points. I just told him what I knew. And what happened? He asked me if I want to go outside and swing on the swing set. And I said, sure. That was it. We went outside, played some more outside. I mean, we're 10-year-old little boys. About a month and a half later, actually, after his first round of chemo, I noticed on a Sunday he and his mom and dad came to church. He hadn't been there for months because of the sickness, and they hadn't been. And in the invitation, his mom and dad and he came forward, and his parents gave their life, rededicated their lives to Christ, and he prayed to receive Jesus with my pastor there at the Lewisport Baptist Church. I didn't lead him to Jesus. I mean, I'm not even sure my little word of testimony did much. But I was just trying to be faithful to share what I knew, what I had experienced, what I hoped he could understand. And I share that not to get a pat on the back, good job, Shane, way at a boy, little guy, long ago. That's not what that was for. It was simply to illustrate, you don't have to know all the details. I mean, goodness, friends, I've been walking with Jesus for 35 years, and I still don't have all the answers. I still don't have it all mapped out. I still don't have all the details completely, purposely in my heart and life. I mean, I have three seminary degrees. I teach in a theological school and I still don't have all the answers. I don't have all the arguments. I don't have all the nuances. I still don't. And I'm not sure I'm ever going to. But any of us, every one of us, let me say this, all of us, hear me, brothers and sisters, men and women, every one of you, hear me. God is the one that does the heart transformation. God's spirit is the one that draws the sinner to Christ for salvation. All that is required of us, all that is called upon for us, we're not the one that's gonna save anybody. Christ saves people. God's spirit transforms people's lives. All we're called to do is to give a witness to what we know, to what we have experienced, to what we have personally observed. We're just to give what we know, a testimony, a witness. We don't have to argue all the finer points. You don't have to be super skilled in debate and theology, but we are called to give a witness. That's how we go. And it's not exclusive only when you have passed this course and got this accomplishment and have this degree and you've been in church this long. You can do it within seconds of coming to faith in Christ because you're just giving a witness to what you have personally experienced. And that burden that you have for that person, God will use your testimony, your witness to draw all men unto Christ. You are not responsible for the heart change. You are responsible to give a witness. That is what Jesus calls us to do. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Simply put, a new Christian, a mature Christian, all Christians, every disciple, no longer, how matter how long they've been in the Lord, are called to give a witness. 
I could have the praise team come join me as I close this message. Disciples go because they're empowered by God's spirit and disciples go by giving a witness and disciples go by simply sharing the good news. Sharing the good news. He said, and you will be my disciples in Jerusalem. That's local sharing. That's immediate circle sharing. That's sharing with friends and neighbors who are in your circle right this day, right this time. That's people you know right now who might be a best friend who's sick or who might be a, a, a family member, who might be a coworker that you ride in the commuter line with every single day. You were called to give a witness. I am called to share in my local Jerusalem. But I'm also called to share in my Judea, in your Judea. That's our region, that's our state, that's our proximity of within an hour or two. We're also called to go across ethnic lines and racial lines and lines that may make us on one side of the tracks and somebody else on another side of the tracks. We are called to step out into what would be a Samaria that's to another place other than our hometown. And we are certainly called to go and share the good news across land and sea and air to unreached peoples in the darkness parts of the world to the places that the gospel has yet to go. Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says this. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful. Spirit empowered, giving witness, sharing the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. We have the greatest news. Friends, don't we have the greatest news in the world to tell? We have the greatest news in the world to tell and our calling is to go and share that good news. I, I wanna close with this and maybe it'll help. Rick Warren, who I mentioned earlier, poses this, this picture. It's, it's, it's baseball season. I know some of you love baseball, maybe got little leaguers in your home or been out to the ball field. I saw a little guy throwing baseball with his dad yesterday at the park I was at and oh I love baseball season but if you imagine a baseball diamond first base second base third base home plate Warren proposes that every follower of Jesus has made it to first base in that they know Christ they know him they're on first base every believer has move to first base. They know Christ. But we don't want to stay there. He says second base is growing in Christ. That's our growing relationship with Jesus, growing in our knowledge of the scripture, growing in our faith, growing in our understanding of what it means to be obedient and to be, be moved in our walk with him. That's second base. He offers third base as serving in Christ's name. That's kind of what we're doing with Valley Creek Go, serving our neighbor, serving our community, serving with our gifts and talents and skills, serving with whatever God has given us to someone else. But home plate 
he offers is sharing Christ. Sharing Christ. And then he asks the question, which base are you on? If you know Jesus, you've made it to first base. If you're walking with Jesus and growing in Jesus, you've made it to second base. If you've used your talents and your gifts and your abilities to serve others, you are on third base. You're serving in Christ's name. But have you made it back home? Have you made it all the way around the diamond to sharing Christ? According to him, only one out of 10 have ever made it all the way back around the bases. That somewhere they're stuck on the base path between growing in Christ, serving in Christ, but never making it to sharing Christ. And I would ask you, where would you put yourself? Well, we are called to go and to share. You have been empowered by God's spirit to go and to share. You have been given a testimony to witness. All you gotta show and share is that which you have experienced and personally know. And you got the greatest news to tell the world. Will you make it around the basis? I'm going to invite you to bow your heads. Maybe this morning, God has laid a specific person on your heart and mind. You're thinking about them right this very moment. You know exactly who you need to share with. Just like I knew I needed to share with my friend years and years ago. And you're asking God to give you boldness and give you an opportunity and to give you a moment to give witness and to share the good news. Maybe some of you, you know you are stuck on the base path between growing and serving, but you've never quite made it all the way around to sharing. And today you're just gonna confess that and lay it before Christ and ask for the Spirit's empowerment and the opportunity and for the moment and for the word and for the the heart to give a witness to someone maybe that you know now or that you'll meet in the days ahead. Whatever God is leading you in this moment, whatever his spirit is saying, I pray that we would be responsive now in this time. Dear God, we just come to you. I pray if there be any today that have not trusted you, who do not know you as Lord and Savior, they've never made it to the first stage. I pray today they would come and repent and believe. And for others, I pray that we would move around the base path to serve and to grow and certainly to share. And I pray God for your emboldening power over my brothers and sisters this morning that you would give us an opportunity to give a witness and to share your good news. Thank you, Lord, that you shared your son Jesus with us and with him we can now share with the world. There is hope for all who are in him. Lord, I pray you help us now in this time of response. Move now freely in Jesus' name.